Chapter Three of The Little Foresters A Story of Fields and Woods. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Campbell Shelp. The Little Foresters A Story of Field and Woods by Clarence Hawkes. Chapter Three A Life of Fear. It is hard for us human beings, who live under the protection of the state and its laws, to realize the constant fear in which the little people of the forest live. No act of their lives, from the first days of responsibility to that of their violent death, for these wild creatures rarely die of old age, but is done guardedly. The very first law that the wild creature is taught is that of self-preservation. In fact, his whole life resolves itself into the problem of just living and keeping clear of all his enemies. Watch a woodchuck as he gets his breakfast upon the young clover, and see with what caution the meal proceeds. He nibbles away at the tender heads for a few moments, and then rears cautiously upon his haunches and looks about in all directions. He also sniffs the air suspiciously from the windward side, and takes even more care in the opposite direction. What need has he to be so cautious, you may ask? His pelt is worthless, and he cannot eat a dollar's worth of clover in a year. Well, in the first place, there is a long gun that hangs in the kitchen over the fireplace up at the farmhouse. Chucky has often heard it roar on a summer's morning, and he carries many a small pellet in his tough hide that came from its grim barrel. It is only because the gun is old and rusty that Chucky is alive at all to whistle his defiance to the clumsy hunter. Then there is Grip, the farm dog. He and Chucky have been sworn enemies ever since that day when Grip tried to pull the woodchuck from the wall and got a savage bite in the nose for his pains. Grip was a puppy then, or that bite would have been Chucky's last. Besides the farmer and the dog, there is sly Lord Reynard who wishes to catch Chucky alive and carry him home to his den for the young foxes to torment and finally tear to bits. Occasionally he finds the dirt in the mouth of his hole disturbed, and then he knows a trap is buried there, and if he steps upon the loose dirt that he will be caught. So he uses the back door or seeks another hole until the trap is removed. One of these summer mornings, when he is sleeping peacefully in his snug hole, a turtle, scorching and smelling hideously, will come scurrying in, trying vainly to get away from the burning cotton tied to the back part of his shell. This is a great peril for Chucky. Even if he is not suffocated by smoke, there is danger that his nest, which is lined with hay and leaves, will be set afire, and he be obliged to run straight into the open mouth of grip, or if he escapes the dog there are eager boys ready to give chase with clubs, and poor Chucky with his short legs and fat body has small chance in such a match. But Chucky is no more in danger than the other little foresters. In fact, he is full as safe as any of them, and is supposed to live a luxurious life, free from care and in the midst of plenty. Whistle at the rabbit who is hopping peacefully along the woodland path, and see with what a startled air he rears upon his hind legs to listen. His ears are erect, his eyes large with fright, 
and his nostrils distended to catch the scent. Turning this way and that, he tries to look in all directions at once, and when he does at last catch the scent, that these little creatures fear above all others, how he scurries away upon those nimble legs in which alone is safety. Although he flees along the pathway like an arrow, yet he goes with caution. At the slightest sound, he will squat under a bush and keep so still that even the eye of a woodsman is often deceived. The rabbit, by a kind provision of nature, is always the color of the earth, so in the autumn he is brown like the fallen leaves, but in winter he is white as snow. Who are the rabbit's enemies? I hear the young reader ask. Well, the domestic cat is crouching by the pathway just ahead of him waiting his coming. Redtail the hawk, so far up in the sky that he is almost invisible to the eye of man, is watching poor Bob, and if he gets out in the open he is down upon him. Grip the farm dog loves to give him a chase when he gets a chance. There is not much danger from Grip, who is not very sure on the scent or fleet of foot, but there is danger when fleeing from the dog that the cottontail will run into a snare or be taken unawares by some other enemy. At night, when he goes to sleep in his hole or a hollow tree, he knows not how soon the ferret may disturb him, and fleeing from this danger he will run into an open bag at the mouth of his hole. It matters not that it is against the law to hunt him with a ferret, for no one is by to see but the pale moon and the soft stars when he is taken from the bag and his neck broken, and they tell no tales. End of chapter 3